1 Samuel chapter 21. Then came David to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech was afraid at the meeting of David and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Ahimelech the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee. And I have appointed my servants to such and such a place. Now therefore what is under thine hand? Give me five loaves of bread in mine hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread among, under mine hand, but there is hallowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth, women have been kept from us about these days. Since I came out, and the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hallowed bread, for there was no bread there but the show bread that was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord, and his name was Doeg, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herd men that belongeth to Saul. And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thine hand spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword or my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah. <clears throat> Behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. And if thou wilt take that, take it, for there is no other sea of that here. And David said, There is none like that, give it me. David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish the king of Gath. The servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And David laid up these words in his heart. And was so afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behaviour before him, before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrambled on the doors of the gate, let his spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, ye see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen, that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my house? Shall this fellow flee or come into my house? And we're turning to Psalm 56 and just the one verse, please. Psalm 56 and the verse 8. Psalm 56 and the verse number 8. And the word of God says in Psalm 56 and verse 8, Thou tellest my wanderings, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? And amen, and God will bless the reading of his own inspired, infallible, inerrant, indestructible, incorruptible, and inexhaustible word of truth. And if you look at the title at the top of Psalm 56, it's evident and it gives the clue as to when it was written. It was written at a time when David was in great trouble and when the Philistines had taken him. He came, of course, when he was hounded by Saul. He was hungered and starving. 
And so he eats the hallowed bread, but Doeg, the herdsman, the tout of Saul, was there in Sinan. And so David heads down to Gath, hoping for mercy from the enemy, from who he has slain, as they said, their ten thousands. And he has to be ten to be mad, thus the spittle coming down, the beard and the scratching on the doorpost and so on. And in verse 2 of Psalm 56, we can get something of his distress. And we hear it as he says, Mine enemies would daily swallow me up. Such is his distress. And in verse 5 he says, All their thoughts toward me are evil. And perhaps there's one in the house of God this morning. And you can sympathize with him and empathize with him. And you can say with verse 8, Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? But what does that really mean? Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Well, if you've ever been to Israel or if you come with us in May, you will go to what is called Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Memorial Center outside Jerusalem or in Jerusalem. And there's one place there is always harrowing to go to. Like a big, tall, circular building and you work your way up to the top and then you walk around the gallery floor. And the lights are out. And down at the bottom, there are three candles. But because of the way prisms work and are made to effect, you don't see three candles. There are one and a half million candles as you walk around that gallery floor. One and a half candles representing one of every one of the one and a half million children that perished in the Holocaust. And one of the harrowing things as you walk around, you will hear names announced. Martin Thompson, age seven, Auschwitz, 1941. Elaine Thompson, age six, Sobibor, 1943. Mark McCrum, age 12. Dachau, and so on. But as you walk around that platform, it will take nine days before you hear your name again. But outside in the gardens, there's a huge bottle, about 40, 50 feet, maybe more, and around the bottom of the bottle is that verse, put thy my tears into thy bottle. It's really one of these, a lacotomy bottle. And what it is, is it's when someone dies, they put the lacotomy bottle to their eye, they catch the tears, and then they're thrown into the tomb as a sign of respect for the deceased. And they're really, this evening, or this morning, our tears are gathered in heaven. Now turn with me away over to the book of Revelation, and we're turning to Revelation chapter 8. Every time I turn to the book of Revelation, I usually say something along the lines, we hear it called the book of Revelations, the Revelation of John, the Revelation of John the Divine and all those sort of things. But chapter 1 and verse 1 gives the title of the book. It's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a singular revelation and it's a revelation of the Lord Jesus. But we're turning to chapter 8 and verse 3 and verse 4. And we're thinking of tears being gathered. And prayers gathered. And it says in Revelation 8 and 3. And another angel came and stood at the altar. Having a golden censer. 
And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the old golden altar which is before the throne. So there is the prayers of the saint are gathered. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. So our prayers are gathered and they ascend up to God. And the tears we shed in prayer are gathered and ascend up before the Lord. So what I want to do this morning with all of that background is first of all challenge my heart. How much is my prayers gathered in heaven? How many tears am I shedding in the place of prayer? How often is my heart moved in the place of prayer? And are they ascending up before the throne? But what I want to do then is to use this thought of your tears and your prayers ascending up before the throne to encourage a saint who's in a difficult place this morning, a saint who's enduring a tough time. And I want to try and encourage that broken-hearted saint. Maybe there's one here who's shedding much prayers and they're lamenting over loved ones. Turn with me to Luke 19 and verse 41. Gospel of Luke chapter 19 and the verse 41. Sorry, this is a new Bible and it's the first time I've used it in public. The old one knew where to fall open. This one hasn't been trained yet, so it takes me a bit longer to find the place. But Luke 19 and verse 41. And of course it's the Lord Jesus Christ himself is speaking here. And verse 41 it says, When he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. There's a weeping saviour. Of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is on his way to the cross to die for the sin of the world and to suffer horrendously on that instrument of cruelty, the the cross. He's just ridden triumphantly into the city on a colt with the cries of verse 38 of Luke 19, Behold, blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, which fulfills the words of the prophet Zechariah 9 and 9. So you have this Weeping saviour. And here's this one weeping saviour in a woeful situation. You see the saviour is stopping on the Mount of Olives. If you come with us at Easter or in May rather or go with anybody else. You'll come down Palm Sunday Road. The road of the prophets. The prophet's graveyard is over on your left. You'll come down to the weeping point and you'll behold and look over the city. And here's the saviour in the Mount of Olives. And he's lamenting over the saviour, or the city rather, and its failure to repent and turn from its wicked way. Maybe there's a child of God in the house this morning. And for you, you can see the weeping saviour in a woeful situation. But for you, maybe you've got wandering sons or wandering daughters. And I wonder how many saints this morning in the house of God have wept so often over that wayward child, or those wayward children. And this morning, children have been brought up in the gospel. They maybe know this book inside out. They've been taught the gospel from the earliest days. Yet today they wander in bypath meadows. They've no thought of God. They've no thought of sin. They've no thought of eternity. And quite simply this morning, they're breaking your heart. And the wandering sons bring weary saints. Brother, sister, this morning, your heart's broken. 
Your heart's weary. You're frustrated. You may be in the point of giving up. But always remember that God hears your prayers. Your prayers ascend before him in heaven. He knows about your tears. And he cares. And he says this morning, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Your tears are gathered. Your prayers are heard. But maybe it's not a lamenting for a loved one. Go back to the psalm. Psalm 22 and verse 1, please. Psalm 22 and verse 1. And maybe for you, it's not lamenting loved ones. But you just feel so, so alone this morning. Psalm 22 is that great prophecy. There are 31 verses in it. It's a great study to go down them and find the 32 prophecies of the cross in those 31 verses. But Psalm 32 and ver- or 22 verse 1 says, And my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? And I believe this morning on the cross the Saviour quoted the whole psalm, but that's a different day's discussion. But we have the fulfilment of that awful cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That awful day of isolation of the Lord Jesus Christ is on the cross. You have his loneliness. Today maybe you feel all alone. Go home, you close the door. It seems that no one's there. No one cares. And that great feeling of loneliness sweeps over your soul. Your brother and sister, I say out of love this morning, no one can ever begin to understand the loneliness of the Lord Jesus Christ as he hangs naked on the tree. Beaten, bruised, berated and buffeted, pierced by the nails, punched in the face repeatedly. Isaiah tells us that his visage is marred so more than any man's. The hair, the beard's plucked from his face. Those painful thorns pierce his brow. And he's there paying the penalty for sin, for my sin, for yours. And he's all alone. Oh, he knows all about loneliness. Maybe this morning you feel forsaken. Not only does he know about loneliness, he knows all about forsakenness. The disciples are afar off. He looks down and Mary's weeping. Peter has denied him three times. But worst of all, the heavenly father has to turn his back on his beloved son. The apple of his eye, the darling of his bosom. And lifted between heaven and earth, never forsaken in heaven, never forsaken in earth, but between the two. The Father has to turn his back as he pours his wrath all upon him for my sin. Maybe this morning you feel forsaken. Maybe this morning you feel alone. But child of God, he knows. Child of God, he cares. And as you weep, he will hear your prayer and will gather your tears and he says, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Lamenting loved ones, all alone. Maybe it's bitter brokenness. Turn over to Matthew 26 and verse 75 Do we find something about the apostle Peter. 
Matthew 26 and verse 75. 26th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew in the 75th verse. And it says, And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him before the cock crow, Thou wilt deny me thrice. And here's the bit I'm after. And he went out. And he wept bitterly. Peter's broken. And Peter's weeping bitter tears. Maybe there's one in this house this morning. You remember Peter's determined position. Peter's absolute self-confidence is seen in his declaration in Luke 22 in the verse 33. And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into, into prison and unto death. But a few verses later, Peter's determined position is given away to Peter's defined position. Only a few hours later in Matthew 26 and 58, but Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with his servants to see the end. Peter's afar off. And there's our brother or sister this morning. And that's where you are. You're afar off. Some circumstances has caught you to shed bitter tears. And this morning, like Peter, you're in a far place. Peter's denials were proclaimed three tragic times. Peter denies the Lord Jesus Christ with curses and oaths. Firstly to the damsel, secondly to the maid, and then thirdly to the bystanders. And then the crock crows. I wonder... Is there one in the house of God this morning? We're listening in online. There was a time this week or further back and you have denied the Lord. Not with oaths and curses, but you failed nonetheless. You failed to stand for him. You failed to stand up and say, no, I'm not doing that. And you stood back for an easy life. This morning, whatever it is, and you're afar off. The easy life has given way to pain and bitterness and brokenness. You see, Peter's denials proclaimed, but Peter's deep pain comes because we've just read in verse 75, and he went out and wept bitterly. Peter went out weeping great tears of sorrow, perhaps just as you have this morning. And Peter declares his past in John 21 and verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. Now you know the Lord has told Peter and the rest of them, I'm going to make you fishers of men. What are they doing? They're going back to the old paths. They're going back to the old ways. But worse that Peter was going, Peter was taking others with him. And I speak to fathers and mothers, particularly fathers this morning. You watch where you're taking your children. You know, the following father's footsteps. We need to be so careful how we're walking and our behavior and our attitudes and where we're taking our children. Be careful this morning. The impact, it's bad enough that you go astray. That's bad enough. 
but bad enough and worse that you'll influence your family and your children. As parents, we need to walk close to the Lord. Peter's declared past. Peter's deliberate, uh, the Lord's deliberate probing of Peter. Three times the Lord Jesus Christ comes alongside Peter and tenderly asks, Peter, lovest thou me? Peter, lovest thou me? Peter, lovest thou me? Once for each denial. But praise God this morning, no matter how far we are off, no matter how far off we are, our God is the God of the second chance. And he always gives that second chance. Tenderly and lovingly, Peter is restored. And you see Peter's dutiful preaching not long after, a few weeks later, we find him faithfully standing up to those same Jews that he was scared of, And now he's faithfully standing up and preaching. And 3,000 souls are saved. Tragically, we live in a day and age when it's Pentecost in reverse. Instead of one one sermon and 3,000 souls, it seems to be 3,000 sermons to get one. As I've been across the world, Brazil, Ethiopia, Hong Kong, Russia, Ukraine, many places, The Lord's moving and the Lord's saving. It's Northern Ireland that's out of step. And we need to stop and ask ourselves why. Why is the Lord moving so much across the world and in Britain and Northern Ireland? Nothing's happening. We need to examine ourselves. But brother or sister this morning, Peter was set on fire and given the second chance. And this morning you're in a dark pathway. You're in a dark place. You're weeping much over failure. But he's the God of the second chance. Your prayers will be heard. Put thy my tears into thy bottle. Lamenting loved ones, all alone, bitter brokenness, tears of trouble. Turn back to Job chapter 16, please. Job 16. We all know the story of Job. But in the midst of it, in Job chapter 16, verse 20, we have a lament of Job. Job 16 and verse 20, it says, My friends scorn me, but mine eye poureth out tears unto God. His friends have scorned him, and his eyes are pouring out tears unto the Lord. You all know Job's shattering calamities. Considering the news that Job has received as one calamity after another just befalls him. His family have painfully died. His flocks are plundered. His farmhands have perished. His finances are plucked away in a moment. And his failing health at the pestilence. All are gone. I have to examine my heart this morning. How would I cope? I can only imagine my grief. My tears. And my crying unto God. These are shattering calamities, but then his spouse's call. Job 2 and verse 9. Then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die, Job. But Job, in chapter 13 and verse 15, says, Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him. You have these 
shattering calamities and the spouses called, but the scorning comforters. His comforters come, and in reality, they're no comforters at all. They're accusers. And the summation of Zophar the Namathite in chapter 20, verse 29, he says, Job, this is the portion of a wicked man from God, and their heritage appointed of God, unto him by God. This man was supposed to be a godly man, a man bringing godly, helpful, encouraging advice. And yet all this man can say is, Job, you're a wicked, sinful man. You're a great sinner, Job. You've got what you deserve. Job, this is recompense for your sin. And I can feel Job's pain and his heart and his anguish. Brother or sister, in the time of trouble, can I say to you, be careful who you go to for advice. Don't go to ungodly unspiritual people who do nothing but complain and people who scheme behind backs and talk about behind backs. Don't go to those sort of people. Go to a man or a woman of God who will put his arm around you, open the word of God and share things with you rather than heap more tears onto you. And we see Job's supplications of concern through it all. And through his tears, Job hangs on to God. And he trusts God and he trusts God alone and he clings to God alone. And when all else was helpless, Job found his help and his comfort in God. And man couldn't help him. Child of God this morning, when all else fails, when no one else can help, well, no one else can comfort you. No one else can help you. When you turn to God, as he says, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Fifthly, lamenting loved ones all alone, bitter brokenness, tears of trouble, watering the bed with weeping. Turn over to Psalm 6 and verse 6. We're not that far away from it. Psalm 6 and verse 6, please. The sixth psalm in the sixth verse and again it's David we're turning to and David says in Psalm 6 and verse 6 I am weary with my groanings all the night I make my bed to swim I water my couch with my tears child of God can you see his groanings for a sustained period of groaning out to the Lord. Crying all night long. Every night. Such was the distress of David. And consequently the bed was saturated in his tears. You can hear his groanings. You can feel his grief. And maybe you can empathize with the grief of David over a circumstance. Or indeed many circumstances that have befallen you. And regularly your bed is wet with your tears. The great pain he feels. We can feel David's power. We can feel his pain. We can feel his hurt. And perhaps today, behind the smiling face, nobody knows your hurt. Nobody knows your pain. Nobody knows your tears. This morning you can rightfully cry, put thou my tears into thy bottle. Maybe it's 
Sixthly, bearing burdens. Turn to Luke 22 and verse 44. Luke 22 and verse 44. Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter and the 44th verse. And of course, this is the prayer of the greatest burden bearer of them all. It's the lament and the cry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself in Gethsemane's garden. And it says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And a sweat, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The anguish of the Saviour as he contemplates in that garden the immensity of the task that lies before him. The thing that he's abhorred from before the foundation of the world. The thing he's always hated is sin. And now he's going to have to bear it at Calvary. Consider the task of the Saviour. He's going to have to bear the sin of the world. He's going to have to bear that thing that he's abhorred. The immensity of sin that belongs to every man is going to be upon him. He's going to have to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He's going to have to destroy the works of the devil. He's going there to save sinners. The immensity of his task. Oh, the burden of the Savior in that garden. And the immensity, the immense agony that he's under. I think I've maybe said before, but a man under extreme anguish, the medics tell us the the blood seeps through the skin and it falls to the ground of sweat and that's exactly what happened to the Saviour. Oh, the burden that's upon his heart, the anguish. What about the individual burden you're bearing this morning? You're bearing a burden and the load seems so heavy. The way is difficult. The way is dark. Maybe it's even dangerous. And it just seems humanly impossible this morning. The intensity of your tears. Just because of the heavy burden and the heavy load you're bearing. Your heart's breaking this morning. But brother or sister. There's one in the glory. And he knows all about it. There's one there who cares for you. There's one there who loves you. There's one there who died for you. There's one there who will meet you at the point of your need. One to whom you can say, put thou my tears into thy bottle. My time's gone. I need to finish. One last one. Lamenting loved ones all alone, bitter brokenness, tears of trouble, watering the bed with weeping, bearing burdens on the eternal end. Turn with my way back over to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, please. Way over to the penultimate chapter. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. You see, one day our tears will end. In Revelation 21 and 4 it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We often hear that there will be no tears in heaven. But that can't be right, at least initially. If there's no tears, how can God wipe them away? Initially, there will be tears. Perhaps it'll be because of my feelings in life. When I consider my lack of obedience, my lack of service. You sing that 
chorus, I'll wish I'd given him more. To be honest, I don't like that chorus. Now's the time. Do it now. It's too late then to wish you'd given him more. Give him your everything now. Perhaps it's my lack of obedience, my lack of tears, or uh, my lack of obedience. Perhaps my lack of, or my tears will be for loved ones who aren't there. Those whom I couldn't, or didn't, or didn't even try to win for him, and they're not there. But the blessing will be that one day he will wipe away all my tears and they'll be done with for all eternity. This life and its heartaches and its trials and its hurts and its headaches and the nights that I spend wetting the pillow will be done they'll be all done for a season but meantime put thou my tears into thy bottle your prayers and your hearts ascend up before the throne of God he knows all about them brother he knows all about them sister don't give up hold on to him because he cares our tears are important to him And they're seen and heard in heaven. I trust that these simple thoughts have been an encouragement to some brother or sister this morning.